G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 23 Preview Edition as we gear up for a uh, fascinating, thrilling climax to the home and away rounds. And finally, the top eight will be sorted once and for all after an amazing battle. And we could get an amazing finish too. We could be in unprecedented territory at the top of the ladder with potentially four teams separated only by percentage. Uh, it's been it's been an interesting season, but I think the last month in particular has been terrific. And uh, hopefully this round 23 is going to be a big one. As I say, very good morning to my footyology co-host, Mark Vine. How are you, Vine? Oh, look, first of all, I'm well. Second of all, it's a great way to finish the season. Still spots available in the eight. We won't know probably until Mars. We have to really leave the not the you know, leave the atmosphere. Take a long trip to Mars to find out. We're or, not going to do the other gag with that, are we? What's that? Oh, you know the obvious one. Uranus. Uranus. The it's going to be cold. I actually last night checked up whether it would be colder. At Mars Stadium, or actually on Mars. Yes. Because they've got the temperature for Mars at the moment. Yes. What is it? Negative 117. No, I think it'll be a little bit um, I still had to check. I still had to check what the temperature would be in Ballarat, but no, it's going to be positively balmy compared to what's going on at Mars. I want to thank our sponsors as we come to the end of the home and away season. They've been fantastic. Because they are fantastic. Andrew's Hamburgers, 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. And a lot of people head from all different suburbs to go to the football. But if you're going to the footy on Friday night or on Saturday, why not head straight to Andrew's Hamburgers? It's on the way to uh, Marvel Stadium and it's near enough to the MCG. Yeah. And you're just going to get a great feed. If you haven't had an Andrew's Hamburgers, aren't you curious what all the fuss is about? Yeah. Oh, not just the ads, but the fuss. Yeah. The fuss. I reckon even if you're on your way to um, Mars Stadium. Oh, no, hang on. That's Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. No. Might not be open. <laughs> no. <laughs> and also Nick Bartels and Hardwick Build Co. Fantastic sponsors. Great builders of houses. Uh, you know, the two biggest teams. Oh, I guess Richmond's pretty big now, but... Collingwood and Essendon. If it's good enough for their captains, it's good enough for you. I'm I'm just about to uh, give Nick a buzz about our house. It is literally falling down around our ears. We've had this uh, water pipe leak going on in the back now for God knows how long. In fact, I suspect it's been going on the entire time we've been living there. Uh, you're but right. we now ha- literally, officially have the Niagara Falls yeah. cascading down our driveway. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well that's very funny because we had exactly the same thing that we fixed this week. Oh, really? Yeah. What did it cost you? No, not, not a lot. It was a just a pipe that had been 
stressed out by our driveway being fixed up and yeah, it's surprisingly painless. Actually, if there are any plumbing firms listening who uh, want to get a bit of a plug here on the Footyology podcast... Oh. Leaks for comment. Um, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm prepared to. Uh, all right, we've got a lot to get through today. Obviously, some big footy news this week, some big previews to talk about, and uh, a bit of, well, a fair few observations on the football media. So, without further ado, let's kick it off. On Footyology Newsfeed. All right, well, one massive story, obviously, this week, and it is the removal of a fourth coach during the season in Fremantle's Ross Lyon, um, getting his marching orders officially on Tuesday, along with CEO Steve Rossich, too. So a bit of a double-pronged assault there from the Fremantle board on their um, on-field and off-field leaders. And I guess finding in some ways the timing, I think, was surprising, but the actual event itself, perhaps in retrospect, it it had been brewing for a while. Yes. uh, Let's be honest. Ross Lyon has been, when placed in front of the microphone or behind the microphone, he's been in probably self-promotion mode for a few weeks. So that gives us a sense, and he's also come out a couple of times and said that there are people within the WA media and certain figures around football that have got him in their crosshairs. So he was definitely fighting a rearguard action. Interesting to hear from the man himself how it went down. He got a call from somebody from the football department. I don't don't know if it was Peter Bell or somebody else. But he got a call in the morning to come in and... When he arrived there, he asked, um, sorry, who's the name of the CEO? That, Steve Rossich. Yeah, he asked, is Steve here? And they said, no, he's not in. And he quickly thought, it's either one or two. Yeah. <laughs> and he found out it was two that were going. Is it, look, the first question which came to mind for me, and I'm sure most people, is why now with one game left? Mm. And there's a, a two and two to put together here, and it could be wrong, but surely... Um, you would wait another week unless there was something which required absolute urgency. And that, for me, has to be retaining players. Now, there's three who keep coming up in terms of out of the door. In fact, some have already said, as a matter of fact, they are going. Uh, One of them is Brad Hill. Uh, One of them is Ed Langdon. And the other one, uh, Sean Darcy. Now... All I can think, I can't think of another reason why they would announce it now other than to to say to those players and their management, he's gone, he's gone, we're going to have someone else, please stay. But um, in in the case of all three, I think uh, Ross Lyon's been a a good, a a fillip to their careers. Ed Langdon has prospered under Ross Lyon, he's been discovered by Ross Lyon, given an opportunity and was always right up there as soon as he was selected, right up there in the midfield, and this year he's been upgraded with the loss of Lockie Neal. Bradley Hill, well, he's flourished under Mm. Ross Lyon. Nothing to do with the football club. He's returning to Melbourne because that's where his girlfriend's from, and often that is exactly why players move around. More more their partners than their own concerns. Mm. And I think Darcy's been given a great run as well. And with the retirement of Sanderlands, I would have thought the future's rosy not Connor, uh, for Darcy at 
the Dockers. So why else would you do it now? Oh, gee, I, I maybe there was feeling against him. I don't know whether it was the kettle had boiled and boiled and there were suggestions that internally he was a prickly customer. Mm. Maybe he'd overstepped the mark again one more time. Well, yeah. Also, remember, it was him and Rosic that were uh, removed in the one fell blow. Mm. I know that's not an expression, but I've just created it. And perhaps... Swoop. Fell swoop. It's a fell swoop or one death blow. But the pair of them being removed may may have been... The timing may have been necessitated by the... Both of them being removed at that period. Sometimes it follows also a committee meeting, and they only come up once a month. I've heard that excuse used before. I think it's spurious, but yeah, as if they can't all get on the phone to each other. Yeah. Um, well, there's a few things to talk about here. Obviously, the future, what the future holds for him. I want to talk about his legacy though, because or maybe they just wanted to give David Hale a real good. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they're not. Um, considering him. That's interesting, isn't it, David Hale taking over rather than someone else? Because there's, uh, I think he's one of six assistants who are sort of dangling in the wind too, waiting to hear about their contracts. Um, I want to talk about the Lion legacy. I've written a a column for uh, Inkle, which will be up on the Footyology website tomorrow. So there's no doubt his cachet has fallen. Uh, there's no stampede at his door. Like if this had happened for whatever reason, five even you know five years ago, three, even three years ago, I reckon there would have been a long queue of clubs beating down his door to find out what his situation was, whether they had a coach going well or not. That's how hot property he was. It seems to me now that the the biggest fans of of Ross are, are his former senior most players. Right, he always had very good relationships with his on-field leaders, and we've seen um, Nick Rewalt, obviously number one fan. We've seen God- Brendan, Goddard Brendan, spoke Brendan Goddard effusively. Uh, Nick Del Santo, yep. uh, Matthew Pavlich, I, I saw something from him. Um, but the other people, funnily enough, who love Ross are the um, statisticians, the champion data guys. Love Ross, and I sort of get that. Ross is huge on stats and analysis, so there, I'm sure there would have been a healthy dialogue between those two. And he's, you know, if you're into the tactics of the game and strategies and how the game is played, he'd be a very interesting coach to latch onto, I suppose. A few numbers. Okay, so there's only 22 guys in footy history who have coached more than 300 games. Um, of that group, only 12 have a better win-loss percentage than Ross's 57.2 winning percentage, which has taken a hit, obviously, in the last few years. Um, he's coached for 13 seasons all up, taken his sides to three grand finals, four if you count the replay, five preliminary finals, eight finals campaigns out of 13 seasons. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Um I think the big thing here is that the the measuring sticks for what constitutes a good coach have really changed. And I think it might sound funny because everyone goes, oh, the bottom line's always win-loss. And, and I'd actually say now, is it? Because I think there's a bigger picture here. And by uh, creating a friendlier, perhaps, you know, touchy-feelier vibe around a club, 
perhaps there's an argument you really promote your chances of improving that win-loss record. I think things like relationship building are particularly important. And when you say that, everyone assumes you're just talking about players. <clears throat> but I don't think you are. I think you're talking about your assistant coaches, staff, even the supporters, even getting the supporters on board. Now, here's an interesting stat to do with that. And this one sort of slipped by the, the wayside a bit. But, did, you know, in this year's membership wash-up, uh, Fremantle, we've still got 50,000-plus members, but they had the biggest falling membership of any club in the competition, and it was 7.5%. So he's on the nose with people around the club. And when that starts impacting on membership and maybe sponsors get a bit sort of wishy-washy about continuing, you can understand the concerns. I That was mentioned, actually. That came from within the club. I heard that mentioned in the wash-up from the club that the a major concern was a fan dissing you know, disenchantment with the fans and measured by that big drop in membership. I think that there are three other factors that people associate with Ross Lyon that are negatives and maybe will hinder him getting another position. One is the perception, and I don't necessarily believe wholeheartedly in this, that a Ross Lyon coach team will score less, be less attacking than other sides. Okay, can I just chip in with some yeah, figures here? Yeah, okay. So in 13 seasons, um, the best result of any of his sides for scoring is a ranking of fourth. Yep. That was with St Kilda in 2009. Um, I don't think beyond that season his teams have ever ranked higher than seventh. And last few years, it's been like 15th, 16th. Uh, it's been pretty diabolical. In stark contrast, defensively, um, it's been superb. In fact, there was a seven-season period between 2009 and 15, encompassing both St Kilda and Frio. His sides ranked either first or second six times out of those seven seasons. Yep. This is interesting, though. That's fallen away over the last three seasons. So um, the last three... Actually, this year, Frio are back up again. They're up around fifth, I think, but... The last three seasons, they'd been like 15th, 16th. They'd been low defensively as well. Okay, so that certainly counts against him. Probably the one that I think holds the most, um, is the most important and, and carries a greater weight with potential suitors is a reputation I think earned, deserved of poor player development that under Ross Lyon, younger players are not, necessarily given the opportunity and St Kilda supporters point to a cold shoulder given to young Tom Lynch and not finding a a real diamond in the rough there you know an excellent footballer was basically just let go for nothing because he was never really given the opportunity and even the 2010 grand final team had decent players sitting on the sidelines like a young Armitage, young Jack Stephen. Uh, I think maybe Gwilt, but good players because they had not been given much opportunity at senior level and he was he's always been reticent when when the stakes are high. Easy when a team's down the bottom to uh, put players through, but it seems over the last few years at Freo it's been done with you know more for the numbers than with real any intent. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. Here's some more numbers to to back that up because I've th- I've thought about this a lot. I reckon over the last three seasons. Now, here's another thing that really worried me about the drop off. It was the extent of that fall off from 2015 to 16. Right? They went from top of the ladder. Yep to 16th on the ladder. They went from 17 wins to four wins in one season. That is unprecedented territory. So, okay, I guess 2016, you know, you can say they're absorbing the shock, they're readjusting. The rebuild as such starts 2017. So there's been three seasons. I did some number crunching on this one too. Uh, over the past four seasons, so including 2016, Fremantle have debuted 22 players. Now, that sounds like a reasonable number. It's when you look at the comparison that you think, eh. Um, so Geelong or Sydney, they've both been finals perennials that whole time, except for the Swans this season, right? Um, that's fewer than either Geelong or Sydney have debuted in the same period. So those sides have been able to keep contending and push through younger talent. Now, you look at the sorts of players that have debuted over that four seasons. Okay, well, who are the keepers? Well, Andrew Brayshaw, Adam Chera. You'd have to have them in there. And we're talking about here not trade-ins. We're talking about from the draft. Now, they were, I think, four and five in the draft, so they were a fair chance they're going to be good. Luke Ryan, he's he's been a a big win. Uh, Darcy, uh, if he says, he's been a big win. Um. Beyond that, though, how, how many of them are really, uh, you know, have become mainstays of that side? I mean, only Luke Ryan of this group recruited over those four years finished top 10 in last year's best and fairest. And their best players are still the usual suspects, you know, Fife, Mundy, Walters, the Hill brothers, yep. aren't they? Yeah, and that is a, a bit of the other side of the coin of not doing enough with the young players to turn them into AFL footballers or exploring those possibilities is that the heavy reliance on a core of senior players. Now, as you mentioned, Rowan, that is where he's got a lot of support in the last couple of days from that group, particularly at St Kilda. But it also puts a great strain or if they've got any weaknesses in terms of their body... He really has not been somebody who has preserved these players or spared them the rigours of football. And I feel that Fife is sort of beaten up. He plays maximum minutes, maximum games. You see him at the end of the season. Have a look at him now. He's a magnificent footballer, but he he looks plastered together. (laughs) Um, Luke Ball wasn't able to stand the demands and ended up going to Collingwood. I don't feel I feel that he has a an idea of how the team looks and he's very he's a very rigid individual you know he's it's a very, a very draining way of playing too yeah. can I sorry no, no, go, no, no I'm just saying okay well I'm saying I think he knows what his best 22 is yeah and the only alterations he makes throughout the season generally seems to be as a result of injury. Well, two things, just on the younger players. So I think it's one thing to play them, but how often do you play them? What roles do you play them in? How much faith do you show in them? You know, that can really expedite or slow down a player's development. I've had this feeling with them. There's been a few times along the journey the last four seasons where 
they've been at real crisis point. I think, was it 2017? They got smashed in the first two games of the year. Mm. And they sort of threw caution to the wind a bit on selection and put in a lot of young guys. And um, they've had some results out of it. But I felt every time that's happened and they've got back to a point where people are saying, gee, Frio looking good and they're playing a more attractive brand, it reverts back to that conservatism. So they start playing safe again because they're in contention. If you have a look, the records of Frio in the last few years, their starts to the year have always been far more impressive than the finish. In fact, probably even in 2015 when they finished on top of the ladder. That says something about the draining nature nature of the way they play footy. Um, first game this year, well, they absolutely smashed North Melbourne at home and they kicked a cricket score, you know. But th- that sort of bears faint resemblance to the Freo we've been watching later in the season. So I-, I think that's a worry too, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And the third factor is that the man himself is complex and at times gruff. And he- he's the main figure at the football club, whether it was at St Kilda or Fremantle. I know that football operations managers and CEOs are important, but it the word is that it very much the highs and lows of people that, that worked with him hung on his mood. And in the modern workplace can't function like that. People expect to be able to go into work and not have to walk on eggshells if the boss is in a bad mood. And that's why I'm talking about you know, relationships around the club. And, you you know, you look at Richmond 2017, particularly reading Conrad Marshall's excellent book about spending a season with them, and you see the importance of that and how a whole club can sort of, the whole mood lifts and, and, and footy becomes fun again and you're celebrating people's strengths instead of their weaknesses. Yep. And I think, you know, in that point, uh, from that point of view, Ross is very, very old school. So there's the game style aspect of it, which I think is also, you know, people are now saying uh, the focus is wrong. It's still tipped far too much in, in favour of defence and there's not, you have to be able to score. But also just the, the um, you know, holistically that sort of vibe created around a club. It worked for Richmond. It worked for the Western Bulldogs in 2016. You don't get that sense with a, a Ross Lyon coach side. No, and even in the short period that has passed since his sacking, uh, the word out of Fremantle from a prominent West Australian journalist, former Brownlow, oh, Brownlow medalist, former AFL footballer Brad Hardy, is that the place is... Much a much happier place to be. That literally the day after, <laughs> really, people were sort of um, smiles had returned. Now that's a very simplistic overview, maybe from one of his detractors. But and he did have detractors in the media because he's that thorny character was front and centre at press conferences. And if he didn't like the line of questioning, he could hold a grudge for quite a while. Yeah, in fact. Um I want to touch on that too. Maybe we'll do it in Media Watch because there's an interesting observation about Ross Lyon in the media, but we'll get to that. So let's just finish off on this, but we need to ask, so where to now for him? So um, I think people sort of agree to be the right fit for a club. It needs to be a club that's already in contention, perhaps not rebuilding. Um, and that is seen to have perhaps underperformed in terms of its talent and needs a bit of a kick in the bum. Now, that to me only leaves one possibility, really. GWS. Correct. Yeah. I, I, I think the coach 
Ross Lyon is a good fit for GWS, but maybe not the person, because this is a club that finds player retention difficult enough as it is. And I think a lot of their players are you know, a little bit... What generation are we in? Generation X uh, or something? I don't Z, know. Z2 or something. But, you know, are young men with concerns or, or, or needs and wants that are very personally based a lot yeah. of GWS play, kids you know want to come home and want this and want that and yeah it's like the, the young player will go up to the coach coach should I shave my legs or not <laughs> should I get around in boat shoes without proper socks on or not yeah the answers of which Ross might find hard to come up with but should I listen to unspeakably bad uh, music or you know go with the classics I don't know if Ross can help with that but that reputation he has of non-inclusion may not be a good fit for GWS at all, given how fragile the minds of some of their young stars are. That's a good point. It's probably a better fit there, though, than it would be for Port Adelaide, who are, you know, they're already sort of turning that list over and have a lot of young players. Mm. Adelaide are going to need a total rebuild, I think. Is he the man to engineer that? Essendon, we, we don't know what it's like in South Australia, but I tell you what, it's not easy being a non-South Australian coach of a South Australian team, and both Pike and Hinckley are going to face heat post-season, and they're going to get no favours from the media or from the Adelaide Addy in particular, being from places other than South Australia. So yeah. I don't know whether they're going to jump on Ross Lyon as a replacement for either of those teams. The other one that's coming up is Essendon, um, and I... I my understanding is it's not. Nah, you could write your own ticket on that for a number of reasons, um, but probably the main one is that I think Warsaw will be there next year regardless of what happens in the next two weeks. But if he's not, um, they've just bought Blake Carousella on board and I've also sort of heard over the last week um, Ben Rutten, a serious chance to be Essendon's next coach. There you go. And, of course, St Kilda's been mentioned mainly by those past players who... Uh, remember the time spent under him fondly, and I think it's through sort of the rose-coloured glasses of looking back. And and the fact is, St Kilda hasn't made the final since he's gone, and gone through two coaches. So there is some link between himself and St Kilda, but I can tell you again, very long odds. He didn't leave in a way that it endeared him to the people who ran St Kilda Football Club and Are there enough of them left there though? No, but that sentiment is has carried through. Yeah. They, they, St Kilda, like all teams, is looking for unity and loyalty going forwards. Yeah. And I think that's St Kilda's motto, status quo fidelius. And I don't think he was very fidelious. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so there, there's our assessment of the Ross Lyon bombshell. Uh, let's watch this space and see whether... Uh, look, he'll be back in the coaching arena at some stage. It may not be next year, though. The other thing, just very quickly, is it seems now very hard for a sack coach to gain any traction for a new job. I mean, Harder, even, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Brad Scott sort of fell on his sword. Yeah. And people were immediately thinking that it was because he had a position ready, but he's now long odds to be coaching next year and maybe ever again. Yep. All right, uh, before we move on, let's just quickly touch on, of course, it's retirement season. We've had a, a score of mm. players announcing their retirements. few more bobbing up over the last few days. Quick word on each of those guys. Jordan Lewis. Well... He's been a warrior. Four premierships. Yeah. A mainstay. 
you know, one of those players that if there was flashy work being done around him, yeah, then a lot of that flash, a lot of those players could have thanked Jordan Lewis for the one percenters yeah. as much as anything else. Very solid footballer too. I mean, I remember um, plenty of times when Hawthorne threw him forward and he was good overhead and he yeah. could kick a goal. Yeah. So Yeah, very solid footballer. Um, so, yeah, well done, Geordie. Um, Kieran Jack. Now, great story there. Obviously, son of a, a rugby league great. Yeah. Um, turned himself into a, a, a terrific on baller, captain the side. Pumping little legs, you know, really. Kicked a, uh, I saw a still of the goal in the 2012 grand final when yeah. Clinton Young slipped in the goal square and he pounced. Uh, that was probably, I guess, the most significant moment of his career. Yeah, got look, he had a very healthy career for somebody who started on the rookie list and I think he might have even been delisted back to the rookie list early in his career, but finally got footing in a very good team, premiership player, and as you say, from a non-traditional background, did wonderfully well. And two blokes, uh, not as prominent, but great club men, I think it's fair to say, Andy Otten from the Crows, who's, he sort of went up and down, up and down. He had a real renaissance there a few years back when they were challenging again. Yeah, always, they were always seemingly looking for a better tall defender than he, but he was there at the ready to fill the void as players came and left. And this guy, one of my favourites as a person, and without a doubt one of the smartest footballers I've ever dealt with. Injuries crueled him, unfortunately, but at his best, thumping kick, strong-bodied mid, David Myers from Essendon. Yeah. yeah. Who, who wrote a letter to the supporters of the club to thank them for, I guess, you know, sort of, being party to his career. He's a, he's a terrific guy, Dave, and a you know, really, really smart guy. And On the few occasions he was able to get a clear run at it, even the end of last season, actually, he, he was really looking the goods. In fact, he won Essendon's most improved in about his you know, eighth or ninth season or whatever it was, but um, he just kept getting too many injuries, and then this year it sort of looked to have passed him by a bit. He was a tantalising prospect, always seemingly unable because of injury, lack of consistent run at it to reach his maximum potential. But the times where he was able to put together some games, who doesn't want a big-bodied midfielder that kicks the ball a country mile? Good pair of hands. And for David Myers, I guess the hard thing about football is that when you're off for a few weeks, especially when you've got a big body like him, You've got to find down. You've got to get fit again. And year after year, he would have been left frustrated with Essendon supporters just hoping his next year the, the year that it all falls into place. Never happened. But at his best was glimpses of what could have been one of the top midfielders in the comp. And timing too. I mean, he, he basically went two seasons without playing because he got injured, did his shoulder in the very first game of 2015 and that cost him a season. And then he was one of those players suspended yep. for a season. So I, I know St Kilda were after him in the middle of his career. Yeah. As a real piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and, and for off-field reasons as well as on-field reasons. So look, if we've missed anyone there, I'm sure we probably have, but... Yeah, congratulations to any AFL player finishing up this week, or perhaps we don't know that yet, but they're about to, because uh, in my view, Fanny, I don't know about you, anyone who has played even one AFL game has something to celebrate. You bet. If you're in the book, you're a very, very good footballer. All right, enough on news. Let's talk about the fourth estate. (laughs) 
Footyology Media Watch. All right, football media, what's on the agenda? Well, we just talked about Ross Lyon for a, a fair time there, Fanny, but uh, just the aspect of Ross Lyon and the media is uh, probably worth touching on here too. And he's definitely um, post Mick Malthouse, or you know, he would be second behind Mick, Mick Malthouse, I think, in a lot of footy journos' eyes as one of the most difficult coaches to deal with. It wasn't always the case, though. And one thing I found certainly was in a press conference setting where there was a, a battery of journos there asking the questions, he'd be he'd be difficult. You know, he'd be short and he'd be deflective, um, and he'd throw up stats often without sort of much context, in which he knew the the journos didn't have the same access to, so it would throw them. Um, and it was difficult to get much change out of him in, in that sort of setting. And I think that I know that frustrated the journos, particularly the Western Australian ones, obviously. And it, it probably ended up frustrating his clubs too because it didn't promote that sort of inclusive air that clubs more and more are, are keen to promote. The thing is, though, one-on-one, uh, some of the most fascinating football chats I've ever had and interviews – we're with Ross Lyon. And a couple, Please expand. Well, a couple really stand out for me. There were, I did one with him, uh, I think, after his first season at St Kilda. So the, the building blocks had been put in place and they were clearly sort of gearing up for something bigger. And it was just a great nuts and bolts footy chat and it was about his philosophies and... Um, uh, you know, patterns of play and the use of particular players and a, a general overall philosophy. Uh, talked a bit about his playing days and his his background as well because, you know, he had a, a, a tough sort of upbringing, you know, res- it, yeah, uh, around, reservoir yeah, and, um, you know, people who see him as a player. I always think his skill as a player was underrated, actually. Well, he was a good football yeah, hard-bodied but man. but he was hard. But, yeah. you know, he, he had skill yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Could and, kick the ball beautifully. Yeah, and very courageous. Um, so the, there was that, and I, I remember I, I really enjoyed that. The one that really sticks in my mind, though, is after the 2010 season, and the premise for it, from my point of view, was, well, here, here we are, St Kilda have just lost a second grand final in a row. They could easily have won two flags in a row, so close, but so far. How do you come back from that, you know, was the premise of the piece, and I'll let the dust settle a bit. It was, I think, it was sort of right at the start of December, so pre-season had been going for a, a, a couple of weeks at least, and it, the idea was to talk about that. But along the way, I was just before I spoke to him, I, you know, I was speaking to a few people, and I found out um, that he'd had this shocking tragedy during 2010, which was his sister had died of cancer, and. Um, not only did he sort of work through that and, and not even take any time off because it was sort of through the course of the season, but um, he hardly told anyone. There was literally like two or three people at the club who even knew. Um, and, you know, I knew it was obviously very sensitive turf. So, um, you know, I, I waited until we'd been talking a while and I introduced it very sort of, uh, what's the word? You know, it's, it's, we should have a chat one day about interview technique, but, you know, it was a prickly subject. You don't just throw it out there, bang, you know, you sort of introduce it 
gradually and sort of give them time to adjust to, okay, well, am I going to talk about it or not? And, you know, look, to, to his everlasting credit, you know, he really opened up about it and he, he got a little emotional talking about it, which is something you don't often sort of see with Ross. Um, and, it, you, know, it was a, it, uh, you know, it was heartbreaking. It was, you know, him spending sort of last moments with his his sister and, and sort of getting the phone call. And, um, and then on top of that, about, uh, I think, a month after that, he lost a nephew in a motorcycle accident. So I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I didn't know that one either. He sort of threw that up as well. But this whole thing, and he talked about going back to work the next day after his sister had died, you know, with no sleep. And and I, I remember, I, I should have dug it up and reread it before I launched into this, to be honest. It just came to me while we were talking about it. But I remember sort of asking him about, how can you, how did you do that? You know, the the sort of resilience you have to have to be able to do that. And um, he, you know, he, he addressed that. And so you think about everything he went through that year and what St Kilda went through. Remember, they lost Nick Rewalt for most of the season. They had all sorts of obstacles cropping up. I think the Andy Lovett stuff had gone on as well. Um and for them to get so close to winning that premiership, that was one of the great coaching efforts, I reckon. So, look, if you're interested enough to read that story, um, I think if you just Googled it, it was it was definitely published, I think, December 2010. So um, you should be able to find it on Google there. But, um, you know, and that, that was – he was honest, he was open, he was affable – um, and it was great. And I've had a number of lengthy interviews with him, and he's always been like that. I just think he's better in a one-on-one setting than in a group setting, and perhaps you can apply that to those bigger picture issues we were talking about with his coaching. Yeah, I think I'm glad to hear that you got so much out of those interviews with him because he is a very – he's a complex character, but he's, – He's very funny. He's got a, a correct, great sense of humour. Correct, sense of humour, yeah. and, and that – is borne out by people who talk about him from within a football club. Look, they are difficult places to keep, or impossible places to keep everybody happy in. Mm. But the overriding, and hopefully it's not a legacy because that tends to imply that it's the end of his coaching career, but the overriding message really is that he is a a, a stickler, a very hard um, taskmaster for his assistant coaches. Uh, you know the John Barker story? Oh, well, there's several assistants I've heard stories about. Refresh my oh, memory. Oh, just very quickly. I mean, John Barker's a great bloke, and he was making his way through the coaching ranks and spent time at St Kilda with Ross Lyon, and they work very hard, much harder than you'd imagine. They do coding, which is compressing down the game vision for particular players, and he was working hard and enjoying it, and he just rang up Ross and he said, look, tomorrow's my daughter's first birthday and we're having all the family over. They're coming from here, there and everywhere. Would I, it was a Sunday, um, is it all right if I um, come in at midday? I know there's stuff to be done. He goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, go to the birthday. By all means, go to the birthday. Just don't come in Sunday or ever again because you won't have a job. He's okay, that's pretty he, blunt. He put down his phone and said to his missus, um, yeah, you're on your own. <laughs> oh, 
Um, yeah, so look, it's not like he has a universally poor relationship with the media. Um, you know, some people get on with him better than others. I think the ones that do get on with him better tend to be probably the more senior people, and there's not necessarily a lot of them left. Is it fair to say he doesn't suffer fools? It is very fair to say that. In, in media conferences? <laughs> it, it is very I mean, It is very and fair I, to I don't say blame that. coaches like he and Malthouse who rail against stupid questions because yeah. you're there, you've got an opportunity to speak to a coach straight after the game Think about what you're about to say. Well, it's so it's so rare now to see press conferences where there are senior um, journos there, particularly after games. I mean, it's just like I I haven't been to a, a post game coaches press conference for a couple of years now, and um, you know the reason for that's simple. I mean, when I'm there, I I'm working for Three AW, and I'm in the rooms doing player interviews and. They use the two things usually end up coinciding, so that's the reason for that. But um, anyway, look, I, I just thought you know it was worth retelling that story because it's easy to forget. You know, we're all we're all humans with frailties, and um, you know, we all have uh, tragic things happen to us in our lives, and. Um, you know, I, I won't forget that. Like, it, it gives you a, a bit of a window into how tough a character he is, but also that, you know, he's... You did have some connection there, though, didn't you? I lived in my street. Is that what you're getting at? No, no. A, a much more poignant one, losing a sibling. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. he aware of that? Um, I can't remember if I told him, to be honest. Um, you know, it's like not 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, maybe not. Um but yeah, he lived in my street. Uh, the funny thing was, he lived in my street, and it was just a normal sort of side street. I, I never actually saw him. It just I can't remember how it came up, but I think we were talking pre-interview once about where he lived, and um, it came up he lived, you know, sort of 10 doors down from... So subsequently, every sort of pre-game interview I did on air with him or whatever, was always, oh, did you put my bins out, or did you bring him in, or some little gag like that, but... Um, yeah, funny one. All right, uh, just one more item on the Moody Watch agenda, and it's a bit, yes, it's a hobby horse, finey, but it's worrying me already, and it is trade talk. Now we are people thrive on it. You know, you see, I've seen my own the, the Footyology website traffic explode whenever trade period starts. People are fascinated by it. I love it. Doesn't need to take up 365 days in the calendar, though. Now, what what worries me, and I'm not saying for a second we should ignore it. Obviously, you can't. But I'm really worried that uh, written and spoken stuff about what could be a fantastic final series is going to be competing for space and airtime with trade rumours and stuff. And someone said to me the other day, you know, they... It was like early Monday morning after that fantastic round 22 and someone turned on the radio sort of hoping to hear about, you know, why why uh, Brisbane got up over Geelong or, you know, who who's a better flag prospect, West Coast or Richmond. And it was all about, you know, this peripheral player might get traded to this sort of club. So I, it genuinely worries me that we're going to sort of put the cart before the horse, as it were, with this trade stuff. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. Look, it it always is interesting because for the teams that miss out on the finals, it offers some hope for the future. New names and new prospects are always interesting. So 
fans of the also-rans are invested in it, and even fans of teams in the finals want to know what their future list will look like. I'm very interested when I hear, especially journalists that um, maybe do nightly pieces on TV or on radio, cobble together information that they've heard elsewhere, commonly accepted uh, movements by players, and then a little bit of logic of their own thrown in and wrap it all up with their insight or their ins into the trade, you know, into the world of, of football trading. I would suggest that any football fan that has their finger on the pulse, reads articles, listens to radio and podcasts and just watches what's happening and applies a bit of logic, could assemble their own trade summary as well as any current journalist. Now, that's to, a, to a point, because those those whispers have to start somewhere. Correct, correct. They all start somewhere, and some of them are just whispers. Yeah. But that's right. You're not going to have any intel, but you'll quickly be able to assemble what most journos assemble. So that being said, what's the best way to keep abreast of all of this without chasing your tail and listening to every news report and watch every show? Because I, I like following it, and I find... There is a, a website that seems to put all the information together quite well, is the Raw. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've got a trade section, and yep. they just keep abreast of what the latest info is and factor it all together and logically put together a club-by-club club analysis. The Raw is an interesting website because it's essentially sort of fan-driven, isn't it? You yeah. know, they, they're... Um, a uh, lot of fan contributor articles and a lot of which are very good. I tell you what, you know, like it's funny. I mean, people listening to this will know um, there's a footyology thread on the Big Footy yep. website. And thanks again, guys, everyone who leaves messages there and gives us feedback and has suggestions and and whatever. Um, but uh, anyone who reads Big Footy, and yeah, there's some ordinary stuff on it too but um you know there, there's a lot of stuff on there that is very very well informed and i don't mean in terms of oh you know they know about something going on at a club or whatever but just you know observations or whatever from people who clearly really follow their footy and know it back to front and i do think i, I honestly think um particularly over the last 10 years or so, um some are more guilty of it than others but there's a can be a quite a condescending attitude on the part of some football media to the football public and I think that's hopelessly outdated because the football public has never been better informed. Yeah, no. You have to respect the passion of a football fan and often, certainly when I was interacting with fans on radio and and still I feel that way working now with RSN as we do, um, a football fan who's invested with their club week in, week out they can tell us about what's happening at their club and how they're playing mm. and who's playing well and a far better place to do so than journalists who try and do it for all 18 clubs. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, well, you know, logistical reasons there too. I mean, it's as we, and we've discussed this before, how difficult it is to watch the entirety of all nine games. Yeah. And, and in, in a football media that's sort of almost a 1,000 strong these days, I think, there would be... I'd be amazed. I know Terry Wallace does. I can't think of a single other person that watches the entirety of all I nine watch every games. Game. 
you watch some in fast forward though, don't some you? Of the, I've watched four or five of them in in twenty seven to thirty minutes. Yeah, I've got to sit down with you and watch you do that one day. Yeah, because, it's good. Well, I I would watch. Uh, you know, I'm always at at one at least, sometimes two. I watch. Uh, well, how many on Sunday? There's three on Sunday. Yeah, I I, I watch at least six. Uh, in totality, yep. Um, the others, yeah, probably the highlights packages, the extended yeah. and, and, highlights and now, packages. Towards the end of the season, they're games I won't go and watch because they're just not of any relevance. So, well, there's a couple this weekend. Yeah, like I, that. yeah. I, I, I did not a lot of the Gold Coast, obviously. The you know the way to watch a game quickly, you get very instinctive about it. Is when the stoppages are and stuff. It's not, people think I was actually stopping ball ups and out of bounds. No, it's not just that. It's also from kick-ins. You know, I'm not really interested in what happens till the ball gets in a team's forward line. Yeah. You know, so if the guy's kicking it in, I I go six times speed, so I can still watch it. Yeah. Until there's an entry into back into their fifty or in the other fifty. Yeah. I'm not the what happens. In the middle of the grounds, not that important unless I'm looking for a notorious incident. Okay, so the Geelong North Melbourne game the other week couldn't have taken you no, long. I'm saying those games you can watch very quickly. <laughs> oh, all right, now we'll sit down with you and, do, and maybe we'll we'll sort of map it out exactly how it works in one of those segments. All right, that's enough for Moody Watch this week. Uh, massive round of footy coming up to finish off the home and away season. Let's preview the games on Footyology previews with Punch. Okay, the action kicks off with a massive game at the MCG Friday evening, 7.50pm. The Pies and the Bombers finally a lot riding on this for both clubs for obvious reasons. Uh, For Collingwood, can finish as high as third if both West Coast and Richmond lose. Um, A defeat would probably result in an elimination final against the Western Bulldogs, which would be a chilling prospect. For Essendon, uh, if they win, will almost certainly remain seventh and uh, probably play an elimination final away against GWS. Lose, and they'll end up in elimination final again against Collingwood or potentially even Richmond or West Coast. Gee, you wouldn't have thought that would have happened a couple of weeks ago. Injury-wise, some uh, big stuff happening there. Poor old steel side bottom, uh, a split testicle uh, requiring surgery happened in a training drill and a big shout out to to a colleague of ours Daniel Harford some of his finest Twitter work from half he said uh, what uh, Collingwood really needed was a steel front bottom on this occasion I thought it was a good line yeah it was good and it was good because it allowed me to tweet in response a picture of Governor Frontbottom from uh, the olden days, the late show parody of Rush. And I heard, I heard this was presented to me as um, Collingwood senior Collingwood player suffers um, ruptured testicle, and I immediately assumed it was Goldsack. Yes, <laughs> but I was wrong. Well, you're going to make me say the absolute peak of Collingwood. Oh, we're not going down the. Oh, we have to. Brad Dick era. 2009, I think it was. At one stage on the list, Sidebottom, Goldsack, Cox, Dick, and Ball. <laughs> yeah, God, sorry. I'm sorry. Incidentally, by the way, you know, on Sunday, um, here we here I'm going down the rabbit hole. My um, Jamie Cripps, Tom Byron. 
Um, yes. A comparison uh, got a big shout out to to. Oh, sorry, I've forgotten who it was on Big Footy, but someone enjoyed that one. So uh, I encourage you to shared tastes. Look up Jamie Cripps and a young Google young Tom Byron and see what you think. Have you got a movie that you can recommend? Uh, I have actually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh no, he's not in that one. Hang on. I could not uh, yes, na- yes. Uh, private teacher. I could not name one porno. Yeah, private teacher. I, no, I can. I can name one. Uh, Debbie does Dallas. No, no. Everyone knows Debbie. I'm does saying Dallas. I know it, but I don't really know. I've never seen it. Uh, this was one of those Wind crazy, oh. crazy parodies of yeah, a yeah. real movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Gums. It. <laughs> <laughs> it was a take on Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> our private teacher some of Tom's finest work and just let me name one more because by the mid 80s they'd started sort of going a bit comic with them and this one was really out there for its time and it was genuinely funny it was called Black Throat but it involved <laughs> it involved a, um, a rubber rat a guy who got around with a rubber rat as his sort of pet <laughs> <laughs> anyway Collingwood Essendon Plumbing the yeah, depths. you better pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, look, I'm surprised that everywhere I turn, Collingwood are considered certainties in this game because I don't mark them like that at all. I'm not certainties. Yeah, well, most people are tipping them, and I think you might even tip them, but not this little black rubber rat. Well, hang on, let's let's just mention uh, Darcy Moore could return. Uh, Degoing and Ace won't be coming back. Now, how about the Stevenson revelation? That he can yeah. play in the VFL. Actually, we should have done that news, shouldn't we? That what do you think of that? Wrong. Yeah, it is wrong. I mean, look, technically, I see how it's been able to happen. But, I don't. Around um, the football, you know. Yeah. It's sort of like horse racing where they get a number of meetings suspended around spring carnival and they tote up like at the night meeting and then the, and suddenly they're 14 meeting suspension is not two weeks. Well, you just it's made, five days. You just made me think of fine cotton. Do you think Stevenson should have played in the VFL under a non-diploma with a moustache and glasses on or something? Well, it's, <laughs> they're very, they're, there's non-diplomas all the time at um, Collingwood. What do you mean? Fill in. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, they're still missing a lot of talent. Obviously, Cox, Langdon, Beam's done, all done for the season. For the Bombers, Tom Jock. Going to make his debut. Yep. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. Another Sudanese footballer. Of, yeah, he is Sudanese, I believe. Yeah. Uh, maybe South Sudanese. Never quite certain. But see, their, their, their strike rate's good. They're, the ones that we've seen are very good footballers. Oh, he, he's been doing really well yeah, he's the in one the who, VFL. He's the one who trained with St Kilda pre-season and... Everybody expected St Kilda to draft him. And yeah, Dan Hanbury was raving about him. Yeah, Essendon sat back and took him in the rookie draft and now he's going to play AFL football. The other big one for the Bombers, of course, David Zarakis. He's had yep. surgery for syndesmosis, which yeah. um, that never heard anyone mention that a couple of years ago. Now that that's 2019's OP, I you think, know, isn't it? You know, it's, there's, isn't it amazing I, how you hear about an injury for a couple of years and then it disappears? Yeah, I think it's still they still exist. Maybe they treat them better and then they rename them. But <laughs> the, also, Bill Chambers apparently is going to probably play in the VFL this weekend. Yeah, yeah, no, they'll be keen to get him back. So, yeah, Zarakis, you know, if you're playing Collingwood, who have plenty of run and a lot of midfielders, that is a considerable loss. Yep. 
much improved effort from Essendon last week, so um, you'd hope they'd be switched on. The stakes aren't as high for them, though, as the Magpies, which is probably another reason. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people are pointing to the Magpies, but uh, the stakes are high for Essendon because their form has returned after a couple of terrible weeks, and there's no doubt that they want to hang on to that through the bye and into the finals, and I think they'll give a great account of themselves. I, The players that they got back last week were important, but without being too disparaging, more importantly, was the bottom four that were excused. And now there's a greater evenness and a less exposure at the bottom end for Essendon. Yeah. And I think that's vital, and I think they can beat Collingwood. All right, so you're going the Bombers. I am going for Collingwood. Incidentally, heading into the final round, uh, I'm leading you by four tips. Yeah, Yeah, very unlucky I've been. Yeah. Oh, you have. You have. I keep getting all the close ones wrong. Yeah, Ronnie Lerner. You know, Ronnie Lerner, who I know listens to this and is a contributor to the Footyology website, I think three weeks in a row now, one of the Sunday games, he's tipped one side, I've tipped the other. My sides look like it was going to win the last couple of minutes, and I get this text from him, oh, you did it again. <laughs> but he's done reverse psychology, because I think the second of those games was St Kilda Frio, yep. and he did, did it again last week with Richmond and West Coast. So... Uh, oh, no, hang on. I did tip Richmond. Anyway, um, enough of that, Ronnie. Uh, all right, let's move on. Sydney v St Kilda, SCG, Saturday afternoon, one forty-five. Pride game. Uh, is it officially the Pride yeah. game? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. They do that every year. So uh, get around that, people in Sydney. Um, it's interesting that this week the Pride round falls immediately before the buy round. Yeah, don't go there. But, yeah, okay, that is that is funny. Couple of your chances. B Y E, you're talking about um, Buddy Franklin. Uh, looks like he may actually get to the line Is finally for his 300th game. It's a. It's a not. Well, he's got six months to get over it. What's well, a meaningless game? Yeah. I, I thought it'd be a better way for them to start 2020 than just end 2019. Fair enough, McVeigh and Jack play if McVeigh's fit enough. Mm. Farewells, but I, I wouldn't be rushing to play my 300th in a bit of a Mickey Mouse sort of game. And it's sort of become, it's been so long in the making now, it's sort of lost a bit of its oomph, it's hasn't it? It's a very, very minor hamstring. <laughs> yeah, was, how many weeks ago was that, about 10? No, that was the It was first, against Collingwood, was, wasn't it? That was oh, no. 14 weeks ago, 15 weeks ago. Yeah. Jeez, I'd hate to and see he played a, one game or something in between. I'd hate two. to see a major one. Yeah. I knew, um, I knew it. I knew it didn't sound right. And uh, as far as the Saints go, uh, Gresham, I think, is a chance to come back. And yeah, a big inclusion, which I'm really pleased about. You know, St Kilda, as part of this um, alteration you can make to your list with long-term injuries, mm. put Robertson on the long-term injury list at the start of the year and added Sam Rowe, the former Carlton player, oh, yeah, yeah. who's going to play for East Doncaster. Yeah. He's been... Really good in the VFL. He's had to ruck because of St Kilda's paucity in that department. Had 59 hit-outs last week and 17 possessions, and they've rewarded him with his 100th game. Yeah. First for St Kilda and probably last, but he will reach 100 AFL games. Yeah, that is a good news story, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, what happens up there? What's St Kilda's record at the SCG like? St Kilda's terrible against Sydney for the last decade. I yeah. Mean, just can't beat them. No, look, I'm going to tip Sydney. Uh St Kilda's been fine, really, even in their losses. They shouldn't have lost to Carlton, but they're they're not a bad team, St Kilda. They're looking forward to next year, adding maybe some quality through the trade period. And I really wish they'd just appoint Ratton because it's trade periods upon us already. Yeah. 
and the coach needs to be part of the discussion, and we don't have a coach yet. Well, would you suspect uh, strongly that that'll happen Monday or Tuesday next week? I don't know why it hasn't happened already. I mm. At this point, I find it um, un, an undue implication of um, exhausting the options is the only reason they could be holding back on this. Yeah, there well, are no bloody options. Maybe they're just paranoid about being seen to follow process, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're both going for Sydney yes, at I the am. SCG. Third game, Blundstone Arena in Hobart, 2.10pm, North Melbourne versus Melbourne. Now, this was a game, remember, was that a couple of years ago? It was a cricket score down there. It was a ripping game. Yeah. I think it was round two or three, yeah, and it yeah. was... One of the highest scoring games we'd seen for years. Um, yeah, that's right. Speaking of high scoring, North Melbourne last week, Benny Brown, 10 goals and a cricket score for the Roos. In the history of football, has there ever been a case where two players have kicked 15 times as many goals as the entire team kicked the week before? Yeah, that was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, Larky and, and Brown, 15. Uh, in fact, we well, I think I said this. We interviewed Todd Goldstein after the game last night. I said, well, I you'd, said be, he was dirty. you'd be pissed off, Todd, because last week you kicked 100% of the score. Um, oh, it's got to be the ruse, doesn't it? They, they looked terrific last week. And look, they haven't been far off it really the entire time since Reshaw took over. Melbourne have got away with, I think, a lot this year in terms of media, in terms of... Critically speaking. Yeah, right through to the end, this common-held belief that they've been crueled by injury is, I believe, rubbish, that they had players being operated on at the end of last year. They're not the first team to be knocked out of the preliminary final stage. And to be honest, that's the worst bounce back of any team that has been within touching distance of a grand final than I can remember. They've had a terrible season and they should be punished by having to get there, not by playing. By the Every player should have to drive to that game. That'd be tough. Yeah, you know, trying to manoeuvre spots on the, waiting for the spirit of Tasmania. I was, trying to, I was going to say a Tasmanian Express. No, you've got to sort of get on there and get a parking spot. No, you can't. You go, oh, bloody hell. They won't <laughs> let me take my car. Can I have go? you done that, have you? Yeah. I haven't done Can it. I go with you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, we're, we're too many cars. Yeah, my, uh, my sister and her partner, um, big hello to Sharon and Jeffrey. they, uh, in fact, I think they've relented a bit now, but every, they live in Hobart now. When they come here, which is frequently, they were getting the spirit of Tasmania every time because Jeffrey's very green yeah, good. and uh, doesn't like to add to the um, Big emissions. Reduce his footprint. A footprint, that's what it is, yeah. You know a great Melbourne player runs or did run, I think he still runs the best pub in Hobart. Who's that? I can't remember. You know the pub? <laughs> you can't remember who it is. I know who it is, but you know the pub in that sort of area that there's a, a beautiful... Oh, the wharf. Um, yeah, around Battery there. Point. There's a famous pub run by Gary Baker. Oh, Gary Baker. Yeah, right. Has he still got the beard? Oh, he's a footy card. Down. He <laughs> should have been in the footy card memories he last should have, yeah. Was his name Bull? I can't remember. Massive Gary, beard. Yeah. Big he, man. He looked like Grizzly Adams. He did. Um, anyway, what about the game? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Uh, so, Max Gordon. And the George- thing is, North could kick one goal and still win. <laughs> <laughs> Max Gordon and uh, Max Gordon, Jordan Lewis uh, should both be right to play. Yeah. Uh, what are the Roos doing injury-wise? Um, no Anderson. I, I, I think they've 
grown weary of Mason Wood and he's going to be offered up. Things of Mason Wood. Yeah, yeah he's frustrating, isn't he? A tantalizer. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, that's your whisper, is it? That he might be oh, on no, the trade he, table? He will be offered up. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right, so we're both going for the ruse there. Yeah. All right, Saturday Twilight, 4.35 at GMHBA Stadium, Geelong, taking on Carlton. A game, funnily enough, it looks a lot more appetising than you might have thought perhaps, you know, a couple of months ago. So what does it mean for Geelong? Uh, going for top spot here, they need Brisbane to lose to Richmond at the MCG. But uh, if that happens and the Cats win, they will finish on top, which would mean they'd been on top of the ladder for um, 20 of 22 games. Uh, that is some achievement. Um, no Tom Atkins. Uh, injured his hand at training, uh, and he's had that operated on. Uh, Gary Rowan could be available uh, Jordan Clark's still out. Earliest he can return will be the first final. Uh, Blues, another scalp last week for David Teague. Um, imagine if they could knock over the Cats down there. In fact, when was the last time Carlton played at Caninia Park? Ages. Oh, you know, it have to be early time. 90s. Yeah, yeah, be a long time ago. This is a game that they could win. Yeah. I'd be tempted to pick them except I want to beat you in the tipping and we're still going through the finals. Yeah. No, we're not. Yes, we Oh, not. we'll go through the finals, but the official tally ends here. Does it? Yeah, it does. Why? Because that's how tipping competitions operate. It's for pride only in finals, Fanny. Oh, all right. Well, I'm still not going to tip them, but I want them to do well because really they represent the lower part of the ladder and I feel teams like St Kilda and Carlton and maybe... Oh, certainly Footscray, who may make the eight, or Western Bulldogs, and maybe a Hawthorne. I don't Did you think, say Footscray? I always call them Footscray. Oh, okay. um, I don't think they're that far off the pace, especially Carlton and St Kilda, very much similar in ladder position and also similar in sort of um, their future potential. And I want Carlton to go out there and show the rest of the football world that they're not far off the top of the ladder because I think... It, their performance also represents St Kilda. So I, I think they'll do well and I want them to do well. I love what their forward line is going to be with Kerr now, but I actually like it now with, obviously, Mackay was great last week. And Casbolt's a good footballer. Oh, he had a great game. Ten I, marks, I wonder I think. what they're going to do with him. I think you'll leave him in defence. Okay. Yeah, they've still got Weedering and Jones and... Yeah, no, we have Jones and Casbolt as your keys and Weedering, I think, is mobile enough to be the third... Could they, could they use him to leave Cornelio? Is Cornelio a free agent? Yeah. Okay, so they don't need to use him for Cornelio. But they're after other players as well. Maybe Casbolt could be trade bait. But, yeah, I'll tip Geelong on the back of the importance of the win. I'm tipping Geelong, and I'm, I'm glad I looked up the history there too because this is how long ago it was. You know when Carlton last played at Cornelia Park? 1993. No. 1988. No. 1991. No. Tell me. 2018. <laughs> we forgot. Last year. We forgot. Before then? Uh, it, was a, it was a Saturday night twilight game, round 10 last year. The game before then was, in fairness, 1997. Yeah, okay. But there was that game. Obviously a forgettable game yeah, down there last year. All right, so we're both going That's a good question. for the catch. You let me keep going. You're a I, bastard. Well, I saw it and I you, went, you what? Didn't, you didn't look at me like... No, but we'd already, a, we'd already committed the faux pas 
Or actually, if you're a former AFL player, Fox, Fox. Pass. <laughs> you said that, Dougie. No, nah, no one yet. I'm sure Barry Hall might have if, he, if we dug into the archives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why do we always start going stupid when it's preview time? Uh, it was or, a Dougie who said, oh, I prefer I'll trade a horse, Doofus. I could never <laughs> eat a horse. Doofus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next game. Saturday evening uh, at Metricon Stadium. Wow, this will be packing them out. Gold Coast versus GWS. Uh, for Can Gold Coast overturn that run of 17 straight defeats? Uh, GWS, of course, uh, need to win to host a final, uh, and they will. The only issue is how much. In fact, let's not waste too much time on this game. Actually, in terms of GWS looking ahead to the finals, um, Nick Haynes got injured last week, uh, so he won't be there, but apparently should be okay for week one of the finals. Uh, Cameron will be right. Finlayson, Taylor and Lloyd all supposed to be okay. Uh, Hopper, not till the first final. So they are getting a few numbers back finally. Um, I guess a good chance for them to recover some confidence after going goalless in four of their last six quarters of football. There, at least we were able to establish that it, the snow wasn't the reason they didn't score in the second <laughs> half. What was it last week? It was just GWS. It's, it's yeah. not the weather, it's them. Two things that I am interested in read this game. One, Ben Brown will set Cameron a target for the Coleman. Yep. Which he will pass. Whatever it is. You reckon? If they want him to. If they look for him. Yeah, actually, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? You couldn't be safe if he, even if he's ten ahead. You won't be safe. Yeah, he's four ahead now. He'd really need to get kick eight goals to twelve. A, yeah, they could easily just you know kick it to Cameron and get him to win. So that'll be interesting. Yep. And realistically, this crowd will not top three thousand, but the AFL will somehow <laughs> write it up as a larger number. So I'm going to have a very close look at the seating. Yeah. And would they be, could... wasn't jam-packed last week either. I'm telling you, I, I, I fear, maybe not this administration, but under Vlad, I think... Andrew, Andrew Demetrio. Would they have been cheeky enough to have cutaway shots from previous games? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except they stuffed it up when they get... They, you saw a guy in a bowler hat and a, a, a big handlebar <laughs> moustache. Well, just say, yeah. Played! Played, George! Played! No, it would have to be an old Gold Coast GWS game, but maybe the, the mistake would be made if you could just pick up in the crowd somebody holding up a Tom Lynch banner or a... <laughs> yes. You know, who, who would be a Gold Coast player that would be fated by the crowd? Or one of the one, one of the, the, the old greats. Um, I know, I know who it would have been. Who? Um, McDonald from Melbourne. Oh, James McDonald. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holding up his James McDonald banner. <laughs> yeah. Who's uh, of the Giants? Not the Suns. Oh, whatever. One of them. Oh, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was? Who were the Suns? Sort of original. Um, oh, Campbell Brown. Campbell Brown. Yeah, he's a famous one. Who was the uh, less famous? Jared Brown. Oh God. You know, from other clubs, who who went there in the early days? Well, about the same calibre of player that's going there now. Or may, remember, didn't Chad Corns go to GWS? He did. 
Yeah. I can't even picture him in their jumper. Oh, I can just. Yeah. Actually, he, he's runner for Port Adelaide now. I was looking at him close quarters last Saturday night. Did he give the bird to anybody in the crowd? He's got excellent, as was his want. One thing I'll say about Chad, he's got excellent taste in music. Yeah? Yep. Uh, he, he did my favourite thing. Was it him or Kane? I reckon it was him at a Brownlow medal. What was that? Well, one of them was sort of favoured to win and was right up there. It would have been Chad. It was right up there towards the end of the voting. Yeah. And they did the votes well, for the second Kane. last round. Yeah. And I think it was Chad. And he didn't get any votes and it made, meant mathematically he couldn't win. And Port Adelaide, I think Port Adelaide were in a grand final that year because I'm pretty sure I remember it as one of those. Well, that means it's 04. One of those telecasts from, you know. Yeah, the, they were in Adelaide, yeah. And you didn't need to be a trained lip reader to just, just went, you know, the F word. <laughs> because normally, oh yeah, no worries. It didn't mean that much to me. Yeah. They just wanted to win it so much. <laughs> yeah. Hey, incidentally, GWS crowd for, um, no, sorry, keep going. Yes. I had the wrong game. Okay. Uh, what would you like me to keep going about? Uh, Chad, Chad Corns. <laughs> no, um, no, enough on that. The crowd doesn't ha- matter. So we're going for been, GWS. There haven't been a lot of Chads in footy, but they're all South Australian. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know another uh, very South Australian name, Brenton. Yeah, that's a. Mm. But there was Chad Jones. I'm pretty sure he was South Australian. Uh, there was a rash of Jones there for a while. Oh, the. Uh, I was thinking of Corey Jones. Chad Jones was he St Kilda? No, no, no. He might have played for North and Port or something, but he wasn't the good Jones. Yeah. You know that forward, they had a good Jones. But um, there's Chad Wingard. Yeah. The only Victorian I know is Stone, which is, you live very close to Chad Stone. Oh, that's good, yeah. There's Chad, the um, source of contention in the 2000 US presidential election. Remember that? No. The disputed vote in Florida about the computer, the sort of hole-punching thing, and there were chads that were hanging bits of paper. <laughs> were, one George Bush, the election, over... Um, over uh, Al Gore. Well, the world's better for that, isn't it? All right, so uh, winning margin for... Jeez, <laughs> we're talking rubbish. Uh, winning margin for GWS? 108 points. Uh, I'm going 70. But we both think the Giants will win, surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, all right, the other far bigger and critical Saturday night clash, 6-10 Perth time, Optus Stadium, West Coast v Hawthorne. So, um, win and West Coast... Uh, gets a double chance at least. Um, now, how do they get a home final? By my calculations, they need to beat Hawthorne by around 40-odd points. Yeah, Mia Culpa. Hang Ch- on, wait, Ch- wait. I just want to get my Chad Jones, okay. Mia Culpa. Yeah. He, he played for North and West Coast. He was a West Australian. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, carry on. Um, so... Uh, West Coast need to beat Hawthorne by about 40-odd points, and I think Richmond need to beat Brisbane by about 40-odd points. That happens, and West Coast will finish second and get that home final. Otherwise, they will end up with a double chance, um, but have to play away. Uh, What's happening for them injury-wise? Mark Hutchings, that could be a... Yeah, big loss. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It hasn't necessarily had that much publicity, but of course, he's a... Their designated run with player did a great job on steel side bottom in last year's grand final. Uh, Nat Nui, um, 
the big question there, he obviously won't play this week, but there's a chance he could be back for that first final. That's a big decision they have to make. Uh, the Hawks, injury-wise, Mitch Lewis will miss again, so he's done for the season. Um, pretty routine win for the Hawks over Gold Coast last week. Do you give them any chance, Finey? No. Look, West Coast... None at all? None. Okay. Well, out of what I saw from West Coast, West Coast are cherry ripe to play finals, and they're one of two teams I think can win the premiership. Yep. And Hawthorne are, are, are a level or two below that. Yep. Even at their at their best, they can't beat West Coast at this stage of the year. They really can't. And and are they going without Mitch Lewis and Ruffhead? Is that the the common? In- I would have thought the fact that Lewis isn't playing means have they said Ruffhead isn't. Yeah, I think playing? they've said Ruffhead's not going to play. Yeah, okay. I wonder who's going to. They might go the double ruck and hope that Segler can provide height with Tim O'Brien. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're both going for West Coast there. Yes. All right. What are you looking up on your phone? Because I can see you're distracted. Oh, no, okay. I'm, I'm watching with great interest. I'm not convinced. I don't think men are good multitaskers. I found another Chad Jones. He's quite interesting. <laughs> I knew it was going to be something like this. Yeah, go on. Well, he was an American, one of those rare guys who was an American footballer in the NFL, but he also got drafted into Major League Baseball. He just he didn't get a game. He played AAA. Right. But he was very close to being one of those rare NFL Major League Baseball doubles. There's another chat I just thought of from the sitcom Scrubs, uh, but the American show about yep. the doctors. There's a character in that uh, they call The Chad because uh, okay. he's very cool. Um, I've watched that for a long now, time. Now, is Chad a, 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 a um, contraction of Chudley? Because isn't that his father's middle name? Uh, I'm pretty sure... Graham Corns is Graham Chudley Corns. It's not Chudley, but it, it is. It's, oh, some, it's, it's something. Back to the Studley. It's Studley. I think it's Studley. Oh, you're back to your movies with um, the Crips. No, no, I think it is. You, you, uh, please don't look that oh. up on your phone for the next five minutes. We're trying to preview the game. I'm, I'm just. This is the last thing I'm just. Just stay up. with me. Graham Corns. Keep going. I'm pretty sure it's Studley. <laughs> Studley. I think it is. Oh, that would be hilarious. Okay, let's... Studley! It is! In fact, seeing we're completely losing the plot here... Studley! I don't know why, but I ended up last night, and Cornsy actually tweeted about it. Someone tweeted him. That's why I saw it. I ended up watching uh, a 10 minutes highlight package of the 1982 Sandful preliminary final between Glenelg and Port Adelaide, which, funnily enough, and I'm, I'm going to remind Graham of this, was live on TV here because it was a Sunday game. Yep. And it was the game in which uh, Dave Granger, or Grave Danger for Port Adelaide, went and some, absolutely and berserk. And Cornsey is running for a mark on the wing. And um, Danger. Granger just lines him up, doesn't even go for the ball, just yep. big round arm, and then he be- and someone else came in to remonstrate, and he belted them. He also broke a guy's leg, a guy called Steve Barrett, by just swinging his foot out as, as for the ball as this guy was. Yeah, you know, he, I think he got eight weeks, and it pretty much ended his career. But uh, famous last games, pretty yeah, pretty rugged stuff. All right, look, let's get on with it. Bulldogs and Adelaide Mars Stadium, one ten on Sunday afternoon. Uh, massive for both sides. Uh, win and the Bulldogs stay in the finals, uh, seventh or eighth. Adelaide, what needs to happen for them to make it? They'd have to win by a fair whack. 
uh, they're behind the Bulldogs by four points and 2.6% on the ladder. Um, Hawthorne and Port Adelaide in a similar boat too, so they need those results to go their way. Do we give the Crows any chance at all, finding? They'd need a personality overhaul, and you can't do them in 48 hours. Yeah, I agree. It's dogs versus cats. They're the cats. They are cats. Yeah, very disappointing. There's going to be some major overhauls going on there, I think. Too many players very comfortable with their status in the game but that don't do enough to help the team win. Yeah, I'm agree. I'm many going. of them, many of them, not all of them, are named Rory. Yeah, well, that's another South Australian name. Um, Bulldogs playing as good a footy as just about anyone at the moment. Yeah, I think they'll win very well. And I assume you do as well. Tipping the Bulldogs. Okay. Uh, how about this one? Richmond v Brisbane, MCG, 3.20pm. Uh, what a fantastic test for the Lions. Do they? Should they need a test? They're on top of the ladder, a game clear. They've won nine games in a row. They've been absolutely sensational. However, my big concern, they've only had one game at this ground all season. It was back in round, th- uh, round four against Essendon, and they got absolutely smashed. So they won't get a better pre-finals test than this. What happens? I watched both these games in full, not on the abbreviated 30-minute version. Yeah. Richmond are a far better team than Brisbane. Now, maybe if the game was up at the Gabba where they seem irresistible and no no margin is too, you know, too great for them to overhaul, mm. I could see myself tipping Brisbane, but no way can I tip them at the MCG because I watched these two games and Richmond are a superior team. They've just got excellent um, belief in, in each other. That it's Having faith in your teammate means so much because it means that you are not drawn to the contest. You're often ready to make the extra player because you know your man or you have confidence in your man winning the ball. You're not second-guessing yourself. You know where to lead. The movements by Rewalt and Lynch are decisive. I think they welcome Coxon back for this game. Yep. Yeah, you, you, sorry, Brisbane, you're going to get a bit of a rude awakening. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about them. I mean, they, they look set to lose last week, even at home, to Geelong, didn't they? And a, a brilliant last 10 minutes sort of saved the day. But, uh, gee, it's nine weeks. It's a long time to be up. Unfamiliar turf, Richmond girding their loins, so to speak. Um, or gritting their lions, as i <laughs> previously heard. Yes. After you ate the horse duvers. Well, I have heard somebody say gritting lions. <laughs> I didn't read it very carefully. Uh, I hope you dug that out of the archives. Um, yeah, we'll I, back to that. You can't, you can't um, go past Richmond, I don't think. It is. I'll tell you what, if if Brisbane sort of lose but lose narrowly, will that raise their premiership yes, credentials? Yes, yeah, absolutely. That, they, they are playing at the MCG against the premiership favourites. A good showing does not necessarily mean winning. Yeah, and remember too that if they can, if they, even if they do lose, if they can keep the losing margin under seven goals, they should still be able to host a final. Yeah, that's right. And if you go past Richmond, you're your own worst enemy because you'll probably end up in Collingwood. Yep. Okay, uh, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> <Show your> graphic. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Uh, we're both going for Richmond there. And the final home and away game, the final of 198 
Yep, there is that many home and away games. Port Adelaide taking on Fremantle, 4.10 local time at Adelaide Oval. Well, that is the rain, hail or whoever coaches Frio. David Hale. Oh, sorry. Yeah, or Jeff. Rain, Dave, huh? Yeah, is it a rain that could coach uh, Okay, can you talk or about Brad the Shine, game, please. <laughs> For, former Carlton player. <laughs> Funny, huh? Uh, this game will probably go. Number 10? Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, mustachioed. Yeah, the mustache. Yeah, sort impressive of, mustache. Sort of a um, a yard too slow and an inch too short. Yeah, yeah, it's quite but, chunky. Yeah, player, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, I'll tip Port Adelaide. I don't like Port Adelaide as a team particularly. Uh, but oh, they, we like their kids. Yeah, we do. But uh, the actual vibe from the team, I don't particularly trust. I don't know what's wrong with them. I do know this that. The coach was right in dropping Rockcliffe a couple of times this season. I don't care how many touches he gets. He's an ineffective midfielder for mine. They've really suffered because Ollie Wines has not been able to play consistent footy this year. And I think potentially he's the most um, serious of their midfielders, I'll say. Bokes had a good season, don't get me wrong. Robbie Gray's always dangerous. Interestingly, Sam Gray is being courted particularly by Carlton. Is that right? Yeah, and I think he's a, he'd be a very good pickup for them. He's just thinking. Is he? He looks a bit like Brad Shine, doesn't he? <laughs> no, 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 he's smaller. No, he's smaller. Than. Yeah, he's he's a good player, Sam Grade. He started the year in the in the Sandful. I think Hinkley was looking to improve the team, and sometimes what coaches do is they look past the obvious and they try and upgrade a player because they think that there's a limit on what that player can provide. Yeah. Uh, don't worry. You could have picked up other. You could have picked better examples to do that with than Sam Gray. Yeah, and maybe their youngsters have just found the season a bit long physically and mentally. Well, uh, just on the youngsters. So Dersma uh, could be a chance to come back from yep. a bruised heel. Uh, that'd be good because he could line up alongside uh, everyone knows and Holora, Rosie and Butters. Not in that order. I'm going to tip. Port Adelaide, because Freo were very poor last week. And no but no um, first fill-in caretaker coach theory? Uh, it's like rolling red or black at the casino. Um, you know, eventually, Black's had a good run. Yeah, eventually I'll, I'll come up the other colour. So I'm going to tip Port. Uh, I'm tipping Port as well, um, which means I officially win our tipping. Oh, haven't you done that well? <laughs> Sneaky bastard. Um, no, I, no, I led early by a fair bit, so it was a good You did. Oh, it was a good cut. And I think their numbers measure up, actually. I've had a look at some others. And yeah, no, okay. I think we're going all right, and I can't okay. remember. Actually, if you do want to see those tipping tallies, they will be on the Footyology website underneath um, the post for this podcast, which you're already listening to. But if you're listening to it via other means, get on the website and on the post for this episode, you will find our cumulative Tipping tallies. Okay. Oh, can I ask you a question without notice? Oh no, hang on. We've got still. We've got to go through our final ladders. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Ask me the question. Who's the last Essendon player to play with three letters in his first name and his surname? Oh, for God's sake. Um. And don't give me a contraction like a Rob or a Bob. Well, this is good radio. Uh, <laughs> I'll think about it while we go through the ladders. So okay. read everyone. You, okay, now I'll, I'll wrap this up quickly. We have both got 
exactly the same final eights. Uh, so we both have the top four, but remarkably, four sides all finishing on 64 points. Geelong, Brisbane, West Coast and Richmond. Collingwood coming in fifth. Uh, I've got them winning. Fine, he's got them losing, but still finishing fifth. GWS sixth. Um, oh, no, actually, it isn't the same. I've got the Western Bulldogs finishing seventh. And Essendon finishing eighth. Finey has Essendon finishing mm. seventh and the Bulldogs eighth. In which case, if my scenario comes off, Geelong will play Richmond in one qualifying final. Brisbane will host West Coast in the other final qualifying final. The two elimination finals, Collingwood, Essendon, GWS to host the Western Bulldogs. Uh, Finey's version differs only by one in he would have GWS playing Essendon in the uh, elimination final in Sydney and, sorry, two, Collingwood playing the Western Bulldogs in the other elimination final, obviously, at the MCG. Uh, yes? I'm, I'm tipping Christian name Ian or Bob. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure who it is. Oh, what was Day's first name? Barry. Yep. Yeah. St Kilda had a Tom Lee. Yes, and uh, who was almost captain. Captain of St Kilda, that's right. All right, now we're going way over time here, so uh, enough of the previews. Let's. You know there's a shorter name in football history. Three letters, first name, two letters, surname. What was the surname? Ray, R-E. Tom Ray played for Fitzroy. T-O-M. Surname R E. He was part of that famous family, Do Re Mi So Far. So that's, that's the shortest name in footy history. I, I believe it. All right, there's enough of our game previews. Let's wrap this baby up before it gets right out of control. On footyology, the final word. Okay, competition time. Finey, uh, bring us up to date. What were people expected to do this week or well, last week? Well, a lot of f- farewells in football coming this week and over the last couple of weeks. There's always retirements and we've had some big names um, say that they're not going to go on. Obviously, headlined by a couple of Hawks, mm-hmm. former Hawk in Jordan Lewis, Jared Ruffhead. But we asked famous farewells. And we've got a lot of entries, and I'll go through a couple of runners-up and our winner. Now, memorable last game, Jared Case, he just didn't make a great case or he could have won, Mm. like his name suggested, Jared Case. But he gives a great example, didn't really um, expand upon it. Nevertheless, my most memorable game had to be Alastair Lynch in the... 04 grand final. Oh, yes. Wow. By the way, Jared's a business development manager for Foxtel in South Australia. How do you know that? Because he put it down here. Oh, okay. (laughs) So why are you telling us that? Because he said, don't hold my occupation against me. Got nothing we like? Fox footy. Love it. Yeah. So just run through... That mayhem that was the 04 grand final. Well, Alistair Lynch and Daryl Wakelin in the goal square. Lynchy, uh, I think, pinged a groin and knew he was stuffed. So he thought he would go out with a bang, literally. 
And, uh, well, not really, because none of the 500 punches he threw made contact. But um, they took some decent old swings at each other, those two. It was funny, wasn't it? Yeah. He got rubbed out, didn't he? He got 10 weeks. For not hitting Daryl Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Just saw him make contact. Okay, great to get a, a, a entry that probably goes through the most That was his one. last game, by the way. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Now, this one is, and we thank um, it's Jason Cook. Love the podcast. One of the memorable last great last games for me, of course, was David Cloak, Richmond Carlton, 1999. Oh, yeah, kicked seven or nine. Okay, it, well written here. Cloakie was an awkward mover and kick, even during the peak of his VFLA career. And his effort as a 36-year-old to kick eight goals from a forward Mate. pocket against Carlton in his final performance was an absolute one to behold. As a Richmond supporter, I'm clearly up and about right now, but this performance left me smiling at a time when there was little to get up and about for. As a side note, he received three Brownlow medals in his last three games. Votes. Yeah, three Brownlow medal votes. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And and his last game was also Kevin Bartlett's final game as coach. Uh, 1991, wasn't it? And he wouldn't be seen at the club for 16 years. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, uh, who was that? That was Jason Cook. Oh, well done, Jason. Yeah, no, winner, I like that one. Our winner this week is Brenton Dines. Brenton? Is, is he from Adelaide? I'm to see. Are you from South Australia? No. Ooh. He's a local. No, Brent, I reckon he's moved over here. Brenton Dines. <laughs> um, good afternoon, Fighting Rocco. Hope you're both well. Love the podcast. Thank you. Regarding the famous farewell comp, I put up Cozzy. His last game was his 200th. Oh, that was against Freo, wasn't it? Yes. When Freo filled I'm in a half Pies the supporter, so no bias here. Yeah. His farewell was epic. In the lead up to the actual game, Cosy needed to clock a certain amount of Ks at training during the week of the match to play. He was carrying an injury and sub- subsequently got Lee Montagna to wear his GPS, <laughs> <laughs> which aided his subsequent selection. Very good. Great, eh? Come game day, the Saints were playing Freo, coached by former coach Ross Lyon. In the last round of the home and away seasons, the Saints got the win, but poor Cozzy was denied a farewell game goal late in the game due to a very late video review. Very stiff, but a very memorable farewell match. Cheers, Brenton. Uh, well done. And and I think, I'm pretty sure that was the first time we had the old field half a team because you can't... Yeah, make the finals. Or Well, no, in Frio's case, their position couldn't yeah. change. Oh, that's so, right, yeah. So St Kilda had a massive win, I think, didn't they? Uh, yes, they did. It was a... It was a a bit of a party game, and there was somebody else was playing their final game. And uh, wasn't it Jason Blake? Yeah, that's right. And, and they wanted to orchestrate, you know, engineer Getting one of his few goal. goals. Yeah, yeah. In league football. No, well done, Brenton. Uh, so for your trouble, you have won an Andrews Hamburgers T-shirt. You just need to email us. Um, size. your size to info at footyology.com.au. You have won an Andrews Hamburgers cap, one size fits all, and a magnificent, pure, 100% organic cotton argan gym towel valued at $35. All those goodies will be yours. Just yep, email us with your T-shirt size and your address, and also just let us know whether you are originally from South Australia, thus confirming my theory. And uh, the prize pack will be shipped off to you. And just an update: we've had a couple of people just asking about the prize yeah, they're all, packs. They're, they're, we had some technical issues, but and they're either in the mail or, in the case of what I call exotic sizes, uh, and I've contacted <laughs> those people. If anything two XL up is an exotic that right. I, I've asked Andrews to to 
supply. So okay. that will take longer. You'll all get them, I guarantee. But yep. if you are an exotic, you'll just have to wait. <laughs> all right. Um, for, that's wait, W-A-I-T. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, yeah. No, very good. I won't, um, I won't name. All right, um, what's, what's this week's this competition? This week's competition is, well, we've got a week off from football. We have. But people like Rowan Connolly, obviously, if you listen carefully to the podcast, can't get enough football, or neither can I. Now, we want to know, not AFL or VFL, so non-AFL, VFL, what's the most memorable game you remember outside of the big competition? I can remember some great VFA games. Oh, VFA. Sweet VFA. But the actual game, which is the one, the one game you remember. Yeah, that's a good one. You have vivid memories of Sandful games. I do. Well, can I give you an I, example now? Yeah. Well, no, if I had to pick number one, it would be the first VFA grand final I went to, 1976. Oh, the... Featuring the uh, abs- absolute Donnybrook between Port Melbourne and Danny Nong. Alan Harper. Harper knocking he out Fred bar- Cook. Got done for hitting the boundary. Pardon me, hitting the boundary umpire. No, no, that was um, which he denies. No, that was another player. It was. It was. Uh, was it Stretch Hannanson? It was. Um, it'll it come was to me. No, it wasn't. Harper played for St Kilda. Yeah, I know. No, it was a Port player, and it was an accident. Yeah, yeah um, it was and he got off. Tony Hainan. Oh, there yeah, you it know. was Tony Hainan. Okay. No, I remember Did he it well. For South Melbourne. He did, um, and I watched that whole game sitting on the roof of a like a pie stand yeah. sort of thing. There were thirty five thousand people there, I think. I went to that game. It was chockers. Oh, did you? Yeah, I was sitting in the forward pocket with some mates, and I remember a guy got before the game. A guy got arrested and was being carted around the ground by police. It was a, quite a warm day. It was yeah. a hot day. Yeah, yeah. And he was wearing a pair of shorts, and unbeknownst to the police, he'd sort of twisted around, obviously in his handcuffs. And as he was approaching us, I just got an eyeful of his um, twig and berries. <laughs> <laughs> he was arrested before the game. Yeah. Oh, God. yeah. There was heavy drinking. Oh. I, do you know the first VFA grand final I went to? Was in 1972 or three. It was okay, don't tell me. If it was 72, it was Dandy Nong Oakley. Yeah, well, that's a game. It and was Dandy Nong Oakley. Big Bob Johnson playing for the Oaks. I we My family... And very good family friends called the Canpoles were out for lunch yep. at the vineyard before it became a nightclub. It was a steak restaurant. Yeah. Barry Campole was only 16 or 17 years of age. He'd already played St Kilda Reserves. He was from, he'd played St Kilda under-19s and Reserves. And I'd gone to those games with him. We were very close. Family friends. And he was going to be my entree. He would have played senior football for sure. And yeah, he wanted he loved footy, and he got his father to drop us off at that game. Oh, right. The next year, they emigrated to Israel. Oh, really? He went to Israel for a few years, but then he was a very clever bloke. He went to America, and he ended up captaining the USA cricket team in a World Cup. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And that, that is a, a member. Story. He was a member of the USA rugby team. Yeah. He'd never played rugby before he went to America, but he captained. Because he was also, at 16, he played District 1s. Wow. So he was one of those brilliant sports people. But he captained the USA in a World Cup. Okay. I've completely forgotten what the competition is now. No, it's... Any game that's not AFL stroke VFL. Yep. The most memorable one you've ever seen. Probably on TV. But if you saw it live, that's okay as well. Yep. And if you want to throw in some wacky tangent like we just did, feel free. Send your entries to info at footyology.com. 
Dot.au and uh, Mark Fine and myself and our judging team will get on the case. Well, this has been a bumper edition, Fine. I've really enjoyed it. Do you call it a bumper or a bouncer? No, bumper being Uh, huge. But everybody refers to them as... Yeah, everybody refers to them as bouncers. Yeah, I call it a bouncer. I used to call them bumpers. Yeah. Yeah, no, and or, I think. Um, Do you know why I call them bumpers? Why? Because that's what they were called in my game test match. Oh, yes, I had test match. Full toss, bumper. Yep. (laughs) Googly. All right, uh, I don't think we've got time for any more, so... I hope you enjoyed it. I hope your team has a good win in the final round, or if they're a finals team, not the final round, but good finals preparation. Uh, We'll be back for our review show on Sunday evening. And uh, before then, well, as we discussed during this show, it will be the final AFL game for a a number of players. In fact, it'll be the final AFL game for some who don't even know that fact yet. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So sorry in advance. But... um, Farewell songs. Well, there's a lot of them around. I don't know why I thought of this particularly. Actually, I did love this band. When this came out, this is about the time I went off them because they'd got too popular by then. Only <laughs> That was uncool. But I was a massive Simple Minds fan back in the early 80s. Did you see them at the Palace? I did. Uh, I saw them at... Um, I saw them at, uh, the first time I saw them was at the venue. Remember the venue? Was that the one on the upper Esplanade? Yeah. That's yeah. where I saw them. Yeah. Well, that was 1982. That was pretty early. That's exactly when it was. You it were was, there, were That's A hundred percent, I yeah. was there. That was a massive gig. Um, that was great. And New Gold, uh, New like, Gold Dream had just come out. I'm going to tell you something off air that'll curl your moustache about that night. All right. Uh, make it off air because we really don't have any more time. That's a great story. Anyway. Don't hear it on here? No. Nah. Oh, hurry up. We're an hour and 40. Come on. Right, so I'm there with a mate called Rosie. We young Whole blokes, uh, and, and this guy came that just approached us yeah. and pointed up, and there were private, like, theatre box. You know, the way the venue was set up must have been an old theatre. I think you've told me this story. Yeah. I was invi- we were invited up to the private box yeah. of a very famous. Was ra- it Molly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In fact, I've got a funny feeling that... If I, it, I, we knocked it back. Why? There was, it was suggestive. Let's just say... Oh, okay. Let's uh, just say I'm not sure we were being invited up there for our uh, music appreciation. Okay. Let's, I, I've got a funny feeling that actually that gig, I remember looking at Molly, it, it was sitting on the, the, the actual... Yeah, yeah. Well, where you were looking up, this guy came down, yeah. pointed up, and said, there's a private party up there. Would you like to join us? Okay. And then he suggested um, that there were things on offer there we'd, uh, you know, that I wasn't interested in. I, I suspect we, uh, I'm trying to remember, I went with a couple of mates. I think we went home afterwards and probably watched uh, Black Throat. No, Black Throat didn't even come out then. You went, you went cute like me and my mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we were too. I, I pointed over. I said, go and ask that lovely kid over there. <laughs> yeah. He looks up for anything. All right. This is uh, farewell to uh, oh, a, a score of AFL players. This is Simple Minds. Don't you forget about me. We'll see you on Sunday.
above me. Look, my. 